he exists in a world where every day has those moments. Every day. Every day. I mean, every day. I mean, even, I mean, you know, when you look at the success he's had, his, his, his suit, you know, his huge rise to the top of his, of the UFC, you know, faltering, coming back down, struggling to pick, get back up, you know, age, but on, man, I mean, that's powerful. The, the focus. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, think about Hell, that. That's true champion. Being Absolutely. on top, man, once you get knocked down and, and then you go far down, climbing back up, having that, that motivation, that's, uh, that's the will of a champion. And, and, and Marcus is exactly right. And that's why, if you haven't ever listened to the show before, what we always do before we get into our guests is we, we talk about some great historical people or moments or something that really transcends the never-quit mindset and mentality. So we're going to start today's show, and we got a two-part historical thing. And also, listen, if, if you haven't listened or don't know enough about us, go check us out at teamneverquit.com or teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast or just dnqpodcast.com. And make sure you also go to iTunes, subscribe to us, download us so you can have us on demand morning, noon, and night, seven days a week, 24-7. All right, so the first historical story we chose, and the guy, and this is the true representation of that, is a gentleman by the name of James J. Braddock, the former light heavyweight champion of the world, or heavyweight champion of the world. Sorry about that. And what the amazing story about Braddock, who lived in the early, actually died in 70-something, but he lived, his career was in the 1920s and 30s, a really difficult time in, in life. And he, what was interesting is he's the son of these Irish immigrants you know, he worked all these incredibly difficult jobs. He grew up in New York in some teeny little apartment with his all his brothers and sisters. But he, eventually he found his passion as a fighter. And, you know, he spent years honing his skills through the amateur fight ranks. And eventually he got the opportunity to go into the heavyweight. And he rapidly worked his way up all the way to where he got a shot at the heavyweight championship of the world on July 18th, 1929 in Yankee Stadium to face Tommy, I'm going to butcher this, I know, Longren <laughs> in the light heavyweight championship. And you know what the amazing thing? He went round for round with this guy and who was twice as big because Braddock was, although 6'2", he was typically fought at 180 pounds. So way under traditional heavyweight kind of places but he had that iron right hand that he brought with devastation ferocity well tommy logren he had researched braddock and he stayed away so the fight ended up being a draw now most people in their careers would be like this is epic i mean right i, I just i i reached the pinnacle life is going great but guess what happened and bottom so fell out bottom, of everything of everything. So the bottom falls out of the Great Depression. Immediately, he's out of work. He, you know, he, he, he gets a few fights here and there. He, he ends up having a broken hand. He loses a bunch. So the major boxing promoters wipe Braddock off the stage. He's gone. He's, he's done. Unfortunately, he had a young family who's, who he had to feed. And there weren't many jobs, right? We had, what, 42 million people out of work during that time. And, and, and so the guy, you know, is struggling and, and uh, you can imagine the pride being a first generation immigrant, right? The son of an immigrant, but he, you know, he dug deep, he got jobs on the docks. Uh, he ended up actually having to go and get some welfare, but it didn't stop him. He worked every day to feed his family. Cause that's the kind of man he was. 
Well, thankfully, and in a, in a just a, a, a an incredible chain of fortune, uh, there was a fighter that fell out of a big fight, and his former manager came to him, Joe Gould, and said, "Hey, listen, uh, you know, we we need a replacement fire. Can you come in and can you fight?" And Braddock was like. Yeah, absolutely. He hadn't been training. He hadn't done anything. Basically, he hadn't even really been eating, Marcus. But he got in the ring, and he won. And the funny thing was, he kept winning. He kept coming back stronger than before against guys like John Henry Lewis, against uh, Art Lasky. And on June 13th, 1935, in Madison Square Garden in Long Island, James J. Braddock fought against... The incredible Max Bear, right? And he won. And he won the heavyweight championship of the world because he had done exactly what he had done, uh, what uh, Tommy Langren had done to him. He'd studied Max Bear. He stayed away from his devastating right himself. And he won. And in that story, he became the Cinderella Man. Now, one of the coolest stories about, you know, as he progressed and he got better, he eventually took some of his prize money and paid back the government for giving him, you know, the 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 money. That's yeah. the kind of guy he was. Well, he went on to fight, uh, you know, had another few years in his career, and his one of his last fights actually was against Joe Lewis, the Bronx Bomber. And Joe ended up coming down and say, one of the hardest, toughest fights I ever fought in my life was against James J. Braddock. The cool thing was, once his boxing career wasn't over, he wasn't done. He ended up joining the Army. He was overseas during World War II as a lieutenant in the Pacific. Uh, in the Battle of Saipan, he ended up coming back and helped building the Veranzano Bridge, working heavy equipment, and and really left this incredible legacy of what it means to rise in America. Right? Great American, yeah. Now, when you hear a story like that, Marcus, what what do you think about? Man, I couldn't imagine living in a depression. I mean, to be like living over in Afghanistan, probably right. There's just, just I mean, that bad. Remember the lines just for bread and everything. Them guys that were boxing back in the depression, you, you ain't got nothing to lose. Nothing. I mean, what you, you ain't got to go back. Your family can't go back empty-handed. Them, oh. dude, them guys were, that was a fight. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, you go in most boxing match competition, good sportsmanship, stuff like that. Back then, when you was fighting to put food on them, hey, man, this is going to be a fight. This is real. Yeah, and it was 15 rounds. Oh. You know, the glove, they, had the, they had those huge boxing gloves back then with you. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, there was nothing in them. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> most of the wadding would already been pushed down the bottom of the hand anyhow, so, uh, God dang, Yeah. When you hear something like that, and you hear the, some of the greatest stories come out of those eras, right? And we Absolutely. talk about that. That's basically what this show's about. The greatest but, generation. I mean, those guys, man, pulled it together and, and held it together through family and, and focus and got, got this country back up and running again, pushing forward. So it's, I mean, he's a great representation of a whole generation. Absolutely. Found out something to do and, and, and did it till America got great again. Literally. No matter what it was. And that's I mean, just what do did. something. And, and that's what I love about his story. And, and his story is remarkable in so many ways and really inspiring because it is the true testament of, of the never quit mentality, right? Here's a guy that came from nothing, came to something, lost it all, came back, came to something, then had to quit, give up that, you know, still continue to sacrifice for this country in World War II, help build the country. I mean, that's the core of what great Americans are made of. Well, you just said every guest on our show has gone through the exact same. You know, they go through that. It's funny that the times dictate the the results. Is that that, that even? No, that makes a lot of sense. Right? So, I mean, if you your humans are Americans are going to adapt to any situation that we're in, 
economy, war, whatever it is. And we're a byproduct. The, the human resolve is a byproduct of all that. So, man, you, we've seen how far we can go down. All the way to the bottom with nothing. We'll come back up. Absolutely. We will never quit. Now, another interesting component I wanted to that that because our, our 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 main guest today he sums that spirit up that never quit spirit to chase his dream to become the best. There's another component of him that makes him incredibly dynamic as well too. And so our second historical story is reminiscent of that characteristic, right? And that's the fact that he's an immigrant. And that's the fact that he understands the true potentiality of what America offers, the opportunities. So the historical story or figure that who's still with us today that we're going to talk about is a guy by the name, and Marcus, you know him well, Johnny Walker, the American Special Forces, in particular SEAL interpreter from the Battle of uh, Fallujah, Ramadi, Iraq. I, I mean, I, that ter- that, well, me and the boys used to chuckle at that one, too, because there's a couple of those guys, those interpreters out there that are with us, man, they're, they're way more than that. They, they, they shotgun past the turp roll or operators who spoke the language. You know what I mean? Oh, they became like, operators. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and, you know, those guys we were talking about. Yeah. Well, in, in the remarkable things, and I remember the first time I ever, you know, got to use an interpreter and started dealing with it is like the first question I would always hit them up with is, why are you doing this? I mean, yeah. what purpose does this serve? Obviously, if you're seen or affiliated or associated with the special operations community in any way, you're you're got a big old target on your back, right? Yeah. yeah. So That's why a lot of those guys wear masks or you know they the balaclavas, yeah, J Dub, and, and all the rest of them guys. Not only did they not wear that, they was up in the front. It, they were like <laughs> number two man, right? Yeah, right and the I'll only reason right. and the only reason they were number two man was because because the, they weren't breachers. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> this ought to let you know how important and how squared away they are. So even as frogmen, we drop into the platoon. Just so we talked about this, drop in halfway, man. It's tough to get in. Most we don't like that, right? No way, no way. As you get in the country, you find out who that guy's like. Oh, come right in, come right on in. You know, they earn their place through reputation. And that's, that says a lot, man. It that's says a lot about this guy. And what the interesting story I found about, about J-Dub is the fact that, you know, here's a guy that literally his, his, he was from Iraq, right? And his, his parent, his family lived in Mosul. He had to move him around on a regular basis because he, of fear that they were going to be targeted and executed by whatever, you know, fraction was out there that was wanted to kill him that week. But he stayed in the fight. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I can't even, I'd love to know exactly just how many ops he did with, with, with our, with our boys, but what he did is he stayed in the fight. And, and it, I think the reason for that and is because of what America offered. And even though he wasn't in America at the time, it was the sense of pride and the loyalty and the commitment in that band of brothers that fired him up to put his life on the line all the time. Wish we heard more about the, when we came, came back, how, because there's guys over there, man, they put out so hard for this country. I mean, some of the stuff that... Well, I remember when I went back to Afghanistan again in 2010, I, I came across an interpreter that had been working for us for 10 years. Oh, yeah. Hey, no. 10 <laughs> years, dude. <laughs> career operators. Yeah, literally. Right? And for, the, like, for this country. Yeah, and, and then, you know, my next question is, by far, you know, hey, man, did, did anybody promise you who you were getting to America at all? And, and, and they all say, you know, oh yeah, some dude like five deployments again. So I was all over it. 
But Johnny Walker's unique in the fact where, you know, when you hear some of his incredible stories, like there's a story out there when he was driving alone one day and noticed two men in a car following him. He tried to drive away, but they followed closely and and got crept up on him and eventually opening fire and riddling his car with bullets. You know, the fact that he had no other options, so he stopped the car, gets out, shoots back with his AK, killing them both. And imagine, as you remember, how fast the crowds would come out of the woodwork. Well, a huge crowd gathered around the wreckage and people started going, you know, what happened? What did you do? Why did you kill them? And he said... I killed them because they worked for the Americans. And everybody started screaming, Allahu Akbar. And, right. and, and, you know, he got <laughs> out of that tough jam. I mean, that's how clever the guy was. You know, here's another thing. And, and, and I talked a little bit about at, at one point, there was a bounty placed on his head in terms of it was about $50,000. And, and the story goes that he ended up joking with Chris, Chris Kyle, about the fact that he had a bounty too. It wasn't as big as Chris's, but he still had a bounty on his head as well. This guy just proves the fact that he loves America and what the possibilities of America are all about. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, there's a great quote, I guess, from uh, that he points out that when when somebody showed a a picture of of J-Dub to Chris and, and Chris pointed at it and said, that's the only Iraqi I ever trusted with a gun. Yeah. So, I mean, when you think about that and you think about the effort, because the beauty of it was Johnny Walker was able to bring his family to the U.S. in 09. And actually in 2015, he became a U.S. citizen. So his story was the true pinnacle of the American. Congratulations, brother. You earned it. Right? Yeah. Right? You earned it. You earned your place in American society. You earned your place by serving the country that wasn't even your own. Now, what about America do you think that causes people to want to do that, that causes people to have that never-quit mentality? Here, if you have a dream, it's possible. I mean, you you have to be go out of the country to appreciate all, all of what this guy's really gone through, especially for not being a citizen in the beginning. And he is now. Earned, I mean, earned it. That kind of stuff. Yeah, man, it's being born here. It's just if you have the ability to stand up, then you have the ability to walk forward and do anything. It's, it's what you true. put your mind to. And, I mean, he's, for somebody to be able to look and see that in the distance, it's kind of like going through uh, Bud's training. You know you want to be a SEAL, but you don't, you don't look to the end. No. He knew he wanted to be an American. And the way his skill set and what he had to, to prove that he was worth, worthy of being an American was on the battlefield. And that's how he got there. I I think it's remarkable because when you see people who truly can comprehend the magnitude of opportunity that exists within America and the culture of America and and just the way our system's set up, it it really confuses me when people don't see that. And and unfortunately, I think we're seeing a lot of that nowadays. The, The country's very divided. There's a lot of conflict going on all around us. And for some reason, these people aren't seeing the incredible opportunities that America presents. Yeah, so I think the important thing is, is not to forget, man, the, the American dream, being an American. It's all about that. Good or bad, it's, it, you can't have any of that without being a, an American. Absolutely. And, and listen, if you want to learn more about Johnny Walker, go check out his book. You can get it on Amazon, Google, wherever. It's called Codename Johnny Walker. So you ought to check that out. All right. Well, let's, it's time now to shift focus, and let's bring our guest on. This guy, I got to tell you, Marcus, 
Man, I remember years ago when he was at the prime, he's still entertaining. He still loved to watch him because of his tenacity, his aggressiveness, oh, yeah. his story. But, I mean, when he was at the time, and people said, this guy is unbeatable. I mean, that was awesome. I, you know what I remember about watching that? He looked the part. <laughs> I think this is back in the day. I was young, and, 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 and when you're an inexperienced fighter, you know, and, and they are the pit. That's, I mean, them guys in there, we talked about that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just like man, it just, just looks like a badass. And then, not too many dudes can pull off the, the fang mouthpiece. <laughs> he can. Matter of fact, he could probably have him some bitches carved in and wear them all the time. Yeah, just have yeah, it. Like, still, yeah. And okay, he's got. Yeah, yeah. All right. You look like he got a little, you know, werewolf. That action man, he's he's all over it. Vicious dude. <laughs> Absolutely. You know who we're talking about? We're talking about the pit bull. So without further ado, let's bring on Andre Arlovsky. Now, Marcus, brother, I know that you know that I know that I am super fired up for our guest right now, man. And the lead up to this just got me excited. And I'm su- I just I'm chomping at the bit because we finally got the pit bull on. So, you know, Andre, welcome to the show, brother. Guys, thank you very much for having me. And God bless you. Uh, my friend, Greg Spoker product told me about you. you from my understanding you're a military guy thank you for your service god bless you and thanks again ready to answer for your questions well, well, thanks brother yeah thank you it's funny thing you know craig and i are growing up together and and uh, a few months ago we were having dinner and, and he looks over at me and he goes dave dave you know who you gotta get on man there's no doubt in my mind i was like who's that he goes he goes, Andre's got to get on. And I was like, you, how do you, well, how, how can we get to him? And- I, know, I remember when you told me, uh, hey, brother, when I found out you were coming on, I, I get this stupid grin on my face every now and again. When, when, <laughs> like when I'm excited and trying to hold it back. It, I can't hold it. You know, it just kind of creeps out there, man. Really, I'm excited. Man, I, I, I loved watching you fight, and, and it's it was a joy growing up in the martial arts world, watching you rock the top of it. I'm, I'm yeah. stoked, man. We're super fired up. We're super fired up, Andre. So the way we get started and the way we loosen our guests up, right? You know, a little a little pre pre match warm up, so to speak, is we gotta we gotta exercise our gray matter up in our donuts, as we like to have a little fun, and we're gonna ask you. Uh, a bunch of fun questions that we call the Mad Minute. And just whatever pops into your head, whatever response comes to mind, just go ahead and throw that thing out there. So are you ready, brother? Yep, of course. All right, so the first question is, have you ever felt invincible, like nobody could take you down? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> good, <me laughs> good, good question. Yeah, neither yeah. have we. Neither have we. We've never felt that ourselves. All right, go ahead, Marcus. All right, Andre, what was your first vehicle, your first car? Uh, first vehicle, it was a Toyota Camry 1996, <laughs> black, with a dash salon. It was a <laughs> I, I, I bought it uh, uh, in 2004. A Camry guy. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was a Nissan Maxima. <laughs> uh, my brother had an old busted-up truck. First vehicles are always great. I love it. All right, next question is, uh, what is your weapon of choice? Weapon of choice, uh, six hour, 1911, 45. And nice. And nice. 1911 guy. Always have yeah. him for some reason, man. All right. Favorite movie you'd like to play out in real life? Uh, 
You know what? My favorite uh, movie wa was for a long time uh, uh, Gladiator. But when I ask, I never usually ask anyone to take a picture with me. But when I saw Russell Crowe in the audience, when it was um, at the La Jolla Park boxing match back in, I believe, 2010, maybe in Vegas, I asked him, why can I take a picture with you? And his uh, security guy just pushed me. You know, I pushed him back and we almost started a fight. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was kind of funny, but uh, it's probably still my favorite movie, but... Um, not so much. But, and second, my favorite movie, uh, uh, 13 Hours, Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. I would love to be in something like this, but I think I'm not brave enough to be a soldier, you know? So, uh, I don't know about that. definitely my two favorite movies on my list. Well, I'll tell you what, Andre, I'm, I'm, I'm friends with all those guys, so what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to get you an autograph book from from Tonto and Oz and Tig and all those I'm gonna guys. Tell, I'm going to tell you a funny story. Before my fight, I went on a range back in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. I shoot, uh, I shoot some, like, automatic guns, you know, and I posted video and... Uh, and Tanto, like, make him, because I uh, I follow him and he make a comment, uh, kill them all, just something like funny. And I wrote him back, no fucking way, did, did you, did you like, uh, re is it really you? You just left a comment, but he never responded. But I was like in a good mood about like a week, you know, so <laughs> I was very excited. I was very excited. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to call Tonto after this interview and I'm going to, I'm going to put you guys together and I'm going to have you break his chops for being such a prima donna on social media. <laughs> you, 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 uh, also, you can tell him uh, in, in, in a movie, a uh, guy who played Tonto, he got two uh, flashlights on his hands and uh, he's like singing, I'm sexy and I'm annoyed. It's exactly what I'm doing every night for, for my wife. <laughs> 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 that's awesome, man. Oh my God, I love it. Oh, that's awesome. All right, Marcus, give him one more. Uh, well, who's your favorite superhero? I always go with that one, I'm sorry. Lately, my son in love with Spider-Man, I guess, uh, Spider-Man. And for Halloween, we're going to buy, uh, oh. uh, for, for myself and for my son, we're going to buy a uh, Spider-Man costume. And for my wife, she's gonna, I guess she's going to be Superwoman or something like that. Well, I'll tell you what, Andre, yeah. you just, you got, Marcus has a shit-eating grin on his face yeah. right now. We actually have a Spider-Man hung up in the studio where we record because Marcus loves him so much. Yeah, I was a huge Spider-Man dork, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andre, let's thanks for participating in the Mad Minute. That's always a fun way to get things going, get things rolling, have a little fun. We loved your answers. In particular, Marcus loved your answer about Spider-Man. I know that for Got sure. Got it written down, right? Got it written down, right? Annotate. Uh, Andre <laughs> is awesome. So let's get into the, the, the nitty-gritty. This is the reason people come to our show and is because they want to hear amazing individuals tell their greatest never quit story. So if you could, would you share that story or stories with our audience, please? I share that story, but I'm not ready to share, but my life, my life experience, I'm like, shows me, you know, um, if you get some rough time, if you're not healthy, or for example, or you have some other problems, it's nothing caused when you're going to lose friendship, if you're going to lose some people who you love. And actually, 
That's why I try to like all kinds of those story put um, uh, make parallels between my life experience and fighting experience. And all the time when I remind myself in the octagon, you know, just remember through what you went and who was around uh, around you at that time, who was next to you at that time. It just like fights. It's it's, it's nothing. People, uh, opponent who in front of you, he, he's just like couple bones, meat, and skin, you know, it's nothing compared to what you went through, and uh, I have some uh, problems with my health, so I, 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 I'm happy that I went through, I'm aware of it, and uh, my, 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 I, I really appreciate that at that time my wife was next to me, some of my close friends who helped me, and, uh, and now I just, it's like, money, your, your status, status doesn't mean shit, you know? The most important thing is like people who are around you, people who love you, and your kids for sure. Oh, I and especially you military guys, you know the stuff when you lose your brothers, you know it's like somebody cut your hand or leg. You know it's like pretty much. I can lose, but I did lose a lot of uh, people, but uh, you know I went through some pretty serious stuff too. So I would say probably I already have some uh, life experience and and. Uh, now I can see what's what's more important for me at age 37, you know. Definitely, I, I became much more the person when I was uh, at age 20 and 25. Well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, and that's the beauty. And, and one of the questions that I wanted to follow up with, obviously, a man that dedicates himself to rise to such the level that you did to become the heavyweight champion in the UFC, uh, I mean, you've got to have a fire that burns in your gut. So my question is, you know, when when was that point when you were in Belarus that you're like, you know what, this is something I want to go after. This is something that I want to chase down. No matter what gets in my way, I am going to become a champion. When did that start for you, and how? Uh, first of all, I was uh, when I was a little kid. I was pretty big, you know, and uh, and uh, when I at 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 the high school, I, my dream was to be. Uh, uh, Mr. Olympia, bodybuilder, body, 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 a famous bodybuilder. But um, when I was in police academy, uh, I started training in samba, became world champion in samba. And uh, when I was in last uh, year in academy, uh, me and my teammate and my friend, we decided to join some, you kind of have like here, like secret service uh, people, bodyguards for president, the first all test. And I thought to myself, uh, this president is going to be uh, president next two, two years. New guy going to come. He's going to hire new guys. So it's probably not for me. And I left uh, uh, law for, uh, uh, police. I, I, I became a fighter. I came here. And uh, I think I, I did the right choice. I, I met my beautiful wife. I have a beautiful son. And uh, I, I'm blessed. I have a lot of friends. And but by the way, Belarus still has the same president for 25 years. So <laughs> I might be at this time. At this time, uh, yeah, at this time I might be a big shot back in Belarus. But uh, 100%, 100%, I did the right choice back in 2000, and uh, I'm proud to be an American right now. 
Well, that that I'm I'm proud that you're an American too, man. I mean, oh, I think about God. just the joy of of watching you and your profession oh, and and the effort you've made is just awesome. What what was it like to make to go from Belarus, which is you know it's not exactly you know the most open country, so to speak, but to all of a sudden find yourself in America, in you know in you know leading yourself and finally getting to the UFC and seeing just, you know, the, the world is your oyster because of how focused and good you were at your sport. What was that transition like for you? Uh, of course, first of all, I lived for when I was a kid uh, from uh, 1993 to 1988. Uh, uh, my, my father, he was a military guy. We lived in Hungary for five years. And I kind of knew what kind of looks, uh, look Europe, good countries and when, but of course when I came uh, first time I came in uh, September 27 2000 I came in Chicago big buildings you know like big McDonald's all the stuff I, I, I like wow I, I'm I, am I sleeping or what it's my dream but not reality was yeah I'm in the United States those two three years I I uh, trained here fought here I came back to Belarus but one day I decided you know what uh, I'm probably going to do everything to stay in the United States. And uh, so now I'm, I'm here, and uh, now I come back to Belarus once in a while to visit my mom and my grandpa. And you see life, you can like, uh, you can uh, see what kind of life they have back in Belarus and here. So it's like a day and night, you know. Oh, so, man, you, you can't uh, really. For sure, I, I did a great uh, Back in uh, 16 years, I did the 15 years. 15 years, I, I make a uh, right choice. So I'm very happy, and uh, I'm 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 a happy man. Well, that's good, and and that's what we love bringing on. Hey, you can't it, appreciate it till you leave it. Oh, well, not just that; it's just the the hard work that goes into. I said also, David, you promised have a beer business, so I'm ready to go. Plus, you promised after the show called Tampa. <laughs> so, like you see, let's get him back. <laughs> well, wait till we we'll get Marcus in that mix too, for sure. Well, one of the things that Marcus and I, uh, of course, my. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, from everything Craig's told me about you and, and how I just how humble you are and how, you know, how stoked you are to be in America and the opportunities that, you know, your focus and your drive have given you. Tell me how you like tell me where the fighting spark hit you. I mean, was it that you always you were a fighter as a kid or you learned to box a little bit or or when 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 did you discover Sambo and and who was it from that influential po point that said this is a, a, an art form a, a way of life that can help you uh, to succeed? What when and where did that happen? You know, it's funny because uh, I was a uh, I, I was in the school uh, pretty big kid, but uh, any anyone can come to. I could start fight, and I never punch anyone back because I didn't want to disappoint my grandma, my uh, my mom, because I never fought. But till it, it, that shit happened, it was till age 14, but I, as, as I was sick that everybody can whoop my ass, and uh, I started fight with everyone, with uh, anywhere, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, that, that that's how I guess I became a, a fighter. Actually, in police academy, uh, it was uh, uh, academy championship in the sambo wrestling, 
And uh, my uh, commander, he gave me order to compete in the heavyweight division. I said, I have no idea how wrestle. I, I was pretty strong because I wanted to be, like I told you, I wanted to wanted to be a bodybuilder. And on uh, our first competition, I took second place, you know, and uh, um, uh, at that time, uh, head coach of national team, he looked for some uh, heavy, big, uh, strong guys for... At that time, for first number for national team, I said, okay, at this time, you, you, I, I can train with with him. I can, like, uh, miss some duties, you know, like cleaning stuff. So I said, okay, I, I'm ready. Let's, let's do it. And after two years, I became a bronze medalist. After one year of training, I, I became a bronze medalist in junior championship, world championship. And uh, two years later, I became a world champion. So that, That's awesome. pretty amazing. Pretty good. I mean, that's really what... It is, it is. Uh, and I probably still uh, wrestling, but at that time, back in 1999, my government gave me $50 bonus at that time. I put three more dollars and I bought, I remember, first pager, it's uh, Motorola. And I, I met some uh, people who brought fighters uh, from uh, all uh, all uh, former Soviet republics to United States. They paid me at that time when uh, when a salary for police officer was hundred hundred fifty dollars per month. Per month, they pay me every month two hundred. Can you imagine how how rich I was? At that time? <laughs> you were loaded. Yeah, I said, why not? I, I mean, let's just bring, please bring me to America. <laughs> you know, and, uh, right here. <laughs> yeah, That's me. That's exactly yeah, what right I here. said. Please, please bring me to America. <laughs> and I came to America first time in uh, September 27, 2000. And you know what? I said, I'm gonna live here for sure. That's awesome. I, this is gonna I, be my I, I, it, that, that makes and you left your mark. Yeah, and he has, and and that's another thing that I, I'd love to just shift one, you know, a little bit into. I mean. Where along your life did all of a sudden you 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 come to understand that in order to be victorious, you you have to work harder than the other person? When did that start from you? Who taught you that? My grandpa. He was for me a grandfather and and and, and a father. He, he was a mil he was a military guy. Yeah, he was a he was a military pilot. And uh, trust me, when I was a kid, I have a lot of discipline when, when I was a kid. Yeah. You know. He didn't let me do whatever I want, you know, I have to be like, if we wake up, call at 6 o'clock, wake up 6 o'clock, I'm going to sleep at 10 p.m. and that's it. Fishing, I went like fishing with him to, to the forest, you know, make some camp, so I, I, I had pretty good uh, childhood, you know. It wasn't like, um, really like, uh, like, like, I mean, like, we, we didn't have a lot of uh, money, but it, 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 from, uh, from father's side, I mean, like, he taught me, like, to be a real man, I, I'm really appreciative for that lesson. That's awesome. I mean, we talk about often, you know, the power and the influence of those, those pivotal men in our lives and what they teach us about the never quit mindset. Oh, that's how they handled it in their situation. I mean, Generation to generation, you're going to get into something that they've gotten into. And if you have somebody over the top of you, like a, a powerful grandfather or a, or a parent like that, who, who can not only have been through something like that, they can pass down the knowledge from it. That's huge. It's massive. It's massive. It's, I, I'm, I'm, very di I'm very disciplined because in the, in the morning when I woke up once, my jiu-jitsu coach from uh, Chicago, Dina Castell, told me, discipline is remembering what you want. Trust me, every time when I woke up in fucking camp, I remember what I want, why I'm here, why I'm so 
30 hours driving away from my uh, from my from my family, you know, just trust me. My best buddies in my camp it's my dog. <laughs> So I, I, trust me, I know exactly what I want. Well, I love that. In this case, I'm very disciplined. Well, what's what's the interesting thing is, is I, you know, when you, you know, when you were by yourself, right? When it was just you, and it was that drive and that to get better and a champion. It's unique. It's 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 almost selfish, but like I love how you you talk about, you know, I got to take care of my child. I got to take care of my wife. And, and they're always in your mind to drive that effort forward. You know, you start to think about the major lessons that you want to pass down to your son, you know, and, and I don't know how old he is. I don't know where he's at in his life, but obviously you're conscientious of, of that in, in a big way. And, and as you think about your legacy, not only in, in the sport, but more importantly, your legacy to your son. What are the key things that you want your son to believe in, to, to hold true as he becomes a man? Only believe in yourself. And, be, and like you said, like I said, uh, discipline, remember it, what you want. If he wants something, if he wants something, if he has some uh, dreams, he just have to like do everything possible to, to, to reach them. But at the same time, don't be a dickhead and uh, just like if you want assumption, just do it. But at the same time, all the time, be a man and uh, be respectful to, to others. That's perfect. You know, believe in yourself. Don't believe in what someone else believes in you. Right. Is that a, is that a cat uh, yeah, poster? I, of course. I, 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 That's a cat poster. Isn't it? Did I read that somewhere and just regurgitate that? No, out? no, that you've lived it. You right, lived I mean, it. <laughs> yeah, believe in yourself, man, your identity, who you are. I mean, hit your son is he's going to grow up to be the man he is. And, and you got to believe in that because everybody else is going to tell you that you can't do something. You're not good enough. Oh, and that's, my God. Well, well, I, I want to shift gears a little bit with you. And, and one of the things Marcus and I like to talk a lot about, especially from our experiences in the SEAL teams and in our failures, is what we learned, what we take from those those lessons that we learned. So if you could. Yeah, that's an important part of it. Everything we go out to do. And, I, and I'm fighters are like this as well. I mean, you go out, uh, whether it's training or it's in a fight, win or lose, man, you, you, we do the lessons learned afterwards, right? Irregardless. And then you learn from it. If it was a loss, you really learn from it. If it's a win, you learn from it. And then you, you, you add that to the mental Rolodex and you just keep pushing forward and you evolve, right? You evolve. You as a have fighter. to. You have to. Because if you don't, yeah, everybody yeah. already knows you die, right? Yeah, you, right. For sure. So, so uh, Andre, what were the lessons, the, the great lessons, not to share your, your plan in the future or anything, but what are the great life lessons that you learned from this challenging year? This year wasn't that good for me. In the beginning of the year, and and January second, I was one step away from a title fight. But since that, I lost two fights. I'm kind of uh, I still top ten, but uh, it, I, I can't wait when the year is going to be ended, and uh, I'm looking forward to for 2017. But also at the same time, I took um, I took a lessons from my uh, from my losses, and uh, hopefully I became a smarter person. And just, I guess, my drive game is that opportunity to 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 be a, to become a champion. But now I train with the best coaches, you know, and uh, I I train more than young kids in, at the gym. But at age thirty-seven, I train more was uh, twenty-five, you know. So that's awesome. I, that's why I'm just I, like you know, when I'm in the camp, I woke up at five thirty, and I'm going to sleep at ten o'clock. Nothing to do for me except uh, seven and Sunday going in the range. Other days, I just train hard, eat, sleep, and that's it. Awesome. But I still have, I need to, like, catch that, you know, that 
uh, how to say, catch something like to to be a champion. Like again, I know I uh, hard worker. I know grand the great great uh, people in my corner, but I, I feel like I'm missing something. I'm looking like how uh, how I'll resolve that problem, and I promise I will do everything possible to be a champion because it's one of my goals on my list, and uh, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna prove. People who saw Tarlovsky is done. I'm going to prove them, them wrong, and I'm going to embarrass them. Well, we, we love that. I'll tell you what. Marcus and I will be in your corner always, bro. Yeah, we I, love I, you. I always have been. <laughs> I never get left out. I mean. It, we love you, brother, and we want to thank you for for coming on the show and, and sharing your great never quit stories. Your whole mindset really is, is awesome. And it's a real inspiration to, to, to Marcus and I, I know that I, I'm feeling fired up right now. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to, to coming home and, and you and I can go shoot some guns and have that beer. And, and perhaps you can, you know, help me de-stress a little bit too, but <laughs> oh, yeah, we got some great toys for you. You're gonna you know what, David, I'm right now going to be like a little, I'm going now. I have your cell number, so I'm gonna be like a, a leaf on your ass after sauna. You know, you're not uh, gonna like you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bother you to to bring uh, Marcus Mark Marcus and Chet to have a beer with me and shoot some uh, some guns. You know, so guys, thank you very much for having yeah, me. God bless you and your families, and uh, hopefully we're gonna meet. Uh, you got it. Thank you. God bless yeah, you, God Andre. Bless Take thank care. You. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye bye. Well, that, that's just, he's just hard. I mean, that dude is just outright tough as nails. I, great thing, one of the great things about the show, since we started doing this, we have the guests over here, is we bring them in, especially if we know a lot about them, yeah. we grew up with them. Not, not knowing them, but just growing up with them and, and watching, watching their, them, yeah, being a part success, of it. Because to, uh, you always think, like, oh, I think I know what's going on in his head, how he got there, or and, all the time, when they're in the ring. and always. The train, yeah, it's kinda, That's the fun part about right, it, right? That's training ourselves. That's our evolution, yep. too, is watching them perform and getting in their head. Remember the coaches? I was like, I right, get in my head. Move like I move. And I don't know why I'm doing this behind the microphone. But it's cool. It looks good. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm super fired. Did you like, see that? I, no, I, like, I, like, it, I don't even know why. Like, it kind of gave me a little hypnotism uh, yeah, right just, there. It was awesome. No, watch me because I'm kind of fat. Yeah, Wait, uh, well, I'll tell you what. For those, when the video uh, comes out, they'll be able to see it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't know what I was saying now. Uh, when the coach gets in, when you go yeah, inside your head. I mean, and... To have them, the uh, the Come guests on. that we've had on here, especially him, you know, and and to go through that and uh, to hear the backstory of his life, and you know, you kind of see why he's conditioned the way he is a certain way. He's still, I mean, you're he's like, I'm fighting right now, fight right now, you know, you fire me up, I'm going. That's right because he's he's trained. He's one of those guys who's trained, so he doesn't have to warm up. He he's it's always, always yeah, there, he's ready to go. Well, and that what I love so much about Andre's story is I love his passion for America, and it truly comes out, and it's. We talked about it in the beginning with those two stories that if you are passionate about America and you are passionate about what it offers, that translates into effort and action. Because if you if if you re and here's what I love, I mean, and 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 I think I didn't learn this until I got in the program, you know, in the teams too, is that when you realize you're freed of any external constraints, right? When no, there's no external stuff saying, Marcus. You can never do this. I'm not going to let you do this. It ain't going to happen. And you're free to that. Man, you can do anything you want if you're willing 
to suffer the pain. If you're willing to work your butt off, if you're willing to get beat up, get knocked down, and get back in a fight. I would imagine it is all worth it to go through the in the gym before the sun comes up, before it goes down, to come in there to when you're the guy, when you walk in, all the coaches and everybody are concentrating on getting you better. You know what I'm talking about? When oh, you're the champ. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's not, I got to grind and fight this guy, and I'll be a sparring partner. It's like, and now, you know, it's you go through all that, so when you're the one standing in the ring, like, what do you need? This is what we're going to, this, that, and, and that feeling alone. Well, I, you, don't, I don't think you can be in that kind of game and not have that kind of backing in that, in that whole oh, team environment. Those guys going to ring, man, that whole team goes in there. That's the team life for sure. You talk about it all the time and you're coming back, right? You talk all about it all the time right now and who you surround yourself with. I talk about it all the time and what I do, man. If, if you don't have that critical team around you that in that sees your potential and supports you and knows you're going to work your butt off, you ain't getting to get there. There's no way. Sure. Well, I tell you what, I, I really, you know, it's just, man, uh, you know, yes, it was, a, a, you know, it's a little, always a little challenging to understand Andre, but oh man, fire you up. Oh, I, <laughs> I mean, I I loved listening to it. And I, and I think I, I definitely, if if I don't hook him up with uh, Tonto in a 13 hours book, he might come oh, looking yeah. for me. Right. <laughs> Did drop that on you. <laughs> All right. So we really appreciate you joining us on this, this episode of the TNQ podcast. If you want to know more about us and what we're doing and what our mission, go ahead and visit our site at the TNQpodcast.com. You can also follow us on the Team Never Quit Facebook, social media, all over the place. Follow Marcus and me, too. Listen, we always like to end the show with, with giving thanks. So, Marcus, who are you thankful for in your life? I like to thank the good Lord for giving me my abilities, you know, my friends for helping me find them. Uh, thank you to my wife. I love you very much. And, uh, hey, man, thanks to Andre Arlowski. Yeah. For sticking it out and fighting and all and, and just all those years of of enjoyment and, and, and motivation and pulling us out of our reality sometimes when we were over in combat. And to all those guys, man, that, that warrior mentality, that spirit that that gets them up training every day and just to walk into that cage, man, to do that, to get up to the top and, and to to go to the bottom and, and climb back up. And climb back up, man. It's just a that's a hell of a thing. That's that's a never quit right there. Amen. So thank you for that. I want to thank God. I want to thank my family, my friends, my teammates. I want to thank everybody in the teams that taught me the never quit mentality. I want to thank the wizard, Marcus, for being with me doing this show and our you know, main goal and Andre for coming on and sharing his story with us. Thank Johnny Walker too for doing what you did out there. Uh, but I also want to thank you, the listener, because it's you that gives us the inspiration when you write in. When you tell us how much the show made a difference in your life. When you tell us how much that you've been struggling and that you listen to the show to figure out a way to get through. Because I'll tell you what, we believe that you have the fire and the gut you need. We believe the never quit mindset is, is inside you all the time. How you go about doing it may be different from us or from Andre, but it's inside you. Because you can never forget that great stories ignite legends. I'm out. I'm out.
Team Never Quit, Team Never Quit Radio.